keeping track of this record and there's there's even a website this year with a like a Ryan Webb Matt Albers fantasy league where people drafted relievers and they get points if they finish they finish a game and they lose points if they get a save <laughs> are you aware of um, any of that yeah I, I wasn't aware it was that in depth hi everyone and a good morning afternoon or evening to wherever you may be uh, this is episode 31 of the Banish to the Pen podcast. I'm Ken Maeda in Honolulu, Hawaii, uh, one of the editors for the site. Joining me today in Chicago is fellow editor Brandon Lee. hey And fellow editor and a writer uh, in UK, uh, Darius Austin. Hello. Okay, so we're filling in for the Baron Ryan today. Um, he was actually at Sabre Seminar a week ago, so you can check out some of his work at Nat's GM, and uh, he also did a podcast with uh, Dave Cameron of Fangraph, so you can probably check that out. So today we're, we're going to do maybe a uh, random fandom banter episode, kind of keep the clubhouse loose today. Um, so first off, uh, we can do introductions. Uh, Brandon, tell us about yourself just as a baseball fan, uh, work, Twitter handle. Yeah, sure. Hey, thanks for having thanks for having me back, Ken. Uh, I'm Brandon. I'm based out of Chicago, Illinois, born and raised. I am a Cubs fan, which appears to be a good thing heading into September of 2015. And uh, you can catch me on Twitter at Blee Internets, B-L-E-E Internets, and uh, often in the Effectively Wild and or Banished to the Pen Facebook groups. Okay, And you've also filled in uh, here and there for Ryan, and uh, both of you done really great work. That's, so, uh, yeah. Oh, yeah. That's right. I have I've filled in for for uh, for the Baron a couple of times. Yeah. Thanks, Ken. The uh, deputy Baron, I guess. <laughs> the the Duke, Duke of baseball yeah. podcasts. Earl. I don't know. Uh, Earl, the <laughs> Earl of baseball podcasts. I don't know. I'll I'll figure out some title for myself, or or Ryan will have to bestow it upon me. Okay. And Darius, uh, same thing. Uh, your team and uh, what you do for work, Twitter. Uh, okay, I'm. Obviously, a San Francisco Giants fan, as anybody who's uh, been on the site or, or listened to me on the podcast before will probably know. Uh, I live in North Wales. I work at a university that's just over over the border in England, actually. Uh, people can find me on Twitter at DariusA64. Uh, and I also write over <laughs> at Friends with Fantasy Benefits from time to time to uh, indulge my craving for writing uh, things about, well, fantasy baseball, basically. Before we start, Brandon, you were at the uh, Foo Fighters concert at Wrigley uh, last night. Uh, how was that? It it was a great time. Um, Wrigley is one of my well. I mean, I obviously I love Wrigley Field because I I live about a mile and a half from there, and I go there for a lot of baseball games. But uh, the concert experience at Wrigley Field is is a little bit different um, in the sense that. Uh, you know, obviously you're watching a concert instead of a baseball game. So, yeah. Uh, <laughs> um, but it's, it's one, of the, one of the things that struck me, kind of, is that Wrigley was not built for concerts. Um, and then even in a more specific sense, Wrigley was not built for darkness. Um, <laughs> I mean, so they didn't, they didn't put lights in until... Uh, until 1988, uh, but then, you know, now having an event where the lights are off everywhere except, uh, you know, a very specific place on the field, it basically means that, you know, people fall down the stairs <laughs> because uh, because there there are no there's no lighting around the uh, the lower bowl on the concourse. So I had a seat near the uh, I, had, I had a seat near an aisle. And five people tripped on the bottom step over the course of the the Foo Fighters set, um, which uh, I'm I'm glad nobody seriously got hurt, but uh, but multiple beers were lost in the process. the uh, the The show itself was fantastic. Uh, Dave Grohl broke his leg uh, about a, a a month ago, I think, and he's been performing. They didn't cancel the tour, so they're still performing. He's been on this throne um, that, it's made that out of broken guitars, I think. Yeah. Yeah. And, and it has a game of Thrones. Game yeah. Of. And it, yeah, it's made out of broken guitars. It has like lights and he showed a, he showed the, 
the the drawing of it that he did the the concept drawing and it says lasers and shit uh coming out of the top part of the throne um and he's sitting down the whole show but the the throne kind of goes up and down this catwalk um in the that juts out of the middle of the stage and uh as far as dave he's like chicago is is has a a the place Chicago has in kind of Dave Grohl's uh, musical upbringing is that uh, the first show that the first rock show that he went to that made him want to be uh, a, a musician was at the Cubby Bear, which is right across the street from Wrigley Field, and he saw the band Naked Raygun there with his cousin and. Uh, Naked Raygun was one of the openers for Foo Fighters last night, and it was also his cousin's birthday, and it was his mom's birthday, so he had his cousin and his mom and Naked Raygun all there, and, you know, he got emotional and stuff. It was a really great show. Yeah, I'm going to see them in October in Anaheim, so uh, looking forward to that. Nice, nice, um, and, and hopefully it doesn't conflict with an Angels playoff game or something. Uh, well, we'll get into how I feel about the Angels a little later, but uh, <laughs> <laughs> okay. Um, so you work for, it's like an Asian American, so like a community outreach, uh, yeah. organization. Yeah. I work for, I work for Asian Americans advancing justice, Chicago. It's the, it's a Asian American civil rights organization based out of Chicago. Um, we, we, uh, do, uh, you know, community organizing, community outreach, uh, policy and advocacy for, uh, Asian Americans in and across Illinois and the region. And, uh, Two questions. How many protests have you been part of and how many times have you been arrested in those protests? All right. Um, I have I have lost count of the number of protests <laughs> that I've been part of. I, I can I can tell you that I, I haven't yet participated in a civil disobedience. Um, but that doesn't mean I won't. It'll be a surprise. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> okay. And um, Darius, uh, so what do you do in your uh, day job? You work in a university yeah, I, I work in the graduation office. Uh, so we basically anything you can think of to do with graduation ceremonies, uh, we organize. Um, we just do a couple of other things. Uh, we have like a prize giving as well. Um, so we, we sort out all that, you know, all the, all the prizes and everything. Uh, so, yeah, that's that's what I do. It's uh, quite grand. We have it in, in the cathedral in the, the city center. So it's quite a, a spectacular occasion. And uh, we have, uh, you know, several thousand students obviously each year. You have to graduate, so it's uh, you know gets quite busy around certain times. Okay, and uh, you're also known to be a, a Mario Kart fan. Uh, who? Which? What's your character of choice? Uh, Peach is is my character on Mario Kart 64. <laughs> yeah, uh, I I actually went to the uh, we have a an actual a tournament um, in Germany every year now. We've, this was the third year we've done it, so I went to that <laughs> again last month. Uh, we have some of the the best carters in the world there. So uh, you can check all the videos out, actually. Uh, the, the the world champion, Matthias Rustemeyer, has them on his uh, YouTube channel, MK64MR, for people who are interested in watching some serious Mario Kart geeks going at it. Now, Dar- Darius, have you, uh, have you played uh, the Wii U Mario Kart very much? Uh, I have not, no. I, uh, Mario Kart Wii is the, is the last one that I, I've really played, so I've not yet tried the Wii U version. Gotcha. Uh, would you recommend it? Yeah, well, you know, I'm I'm kind of a you know, I'm kind of a Nintendo fanboy. So, I mean, I'm going to I'm going to say yes. Um, but it's you know, it's something that I would say yes to even if I didn't <laughs> like it, I think. Yeah, I mean, I know uh I don't know if this has continued so much, but Wii was obviously a lot more user-friendly. Uh they they definitely moved towards it being, you know, uh, fun for all the family type game and you know the sort of uh, the rubber banding, help making it easier to catch up in that with the, uh, the like the bullet items and, and stuff like that um, were were a lot more extreme than in some of the earlier versions. So I, I don't know if it, that that trend continued. They certainly look, you know, the visuals I've seen from the newer ones look sort of along the lines of of the Wii version. Yeah, I never got past the SNES version. The original. <laughs> um, well, I, it's I used a to classic. Play on phone. Yeah, I, I played on my phone for a while. That was kind of addicting, but you know. The screen's flat, so the controls are kind of hard. But uh, uh, Toad's my character of choice. Uh, how about you, Brandon? I'm uh, I'm a Mario. Um, yeah, I'm a Mario usually. Okay, so um, we'll get into some more uh, 
timely baseball talk uh, to start off with. Brandon, you want to sum up maybe the Cub season so far and maybe what your hopes and expectations are for uh, the rest of this year and the uh, near future? Well, so far this season, I will say that the Cubs have exceeded my expectations, uh, where I was not necessarily expecting them to hold the lead in a for a playoff spot heading into September, but hey, here we are. They're holding a playoff spot heading into September. And, you know, as far as what happens in September, like, I'm not in the, I'm not necessarily in, like, the prediction-making business or anything, but, you know, I I have, I I have, you know, I, I am hopeful and I have confidence that we'll be able to hold on to it, but, I mean... You know, I I don't want to. Basically, I'm trying not to resort to the "but we're the Cubs" line that I have fallen into for most of my life. Because, you know, I I feel like there's reason for this team to be able to overcome that. Um, but it will be interesting down the stretch because a lot of these players. This will be the longest season that a lot of our players have played, particularly the. <clears throat> particularly the, uh, you know, our, our set of rookies that have, uh, that have come up this year. So, you know, we'll, we'll see how it goes, but I'm, I'm optimistic that, uh, you know, that we'll play well, uh, uh, in September, this, this recent West coast swing, notwithstanding, but, uh, you know, I, I, I feel like I have reason to be hopeful. And right now you're, uh, let's see what where you're like four and a half up on the Giants for the second wild card. Yes. And what about six back of Pittsburgh? Uh yeah, that 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 gap has been growing. It, it you know, anytime I think maybe we'll pick up some ground in the central, you know, we happen to it, it, any anytime I think the Cubs are gonna pick up ground in the central, the the Cardinals and Pirates just keep winning. And then when the Cubs lose, the Cardinals and Pirates just keep winning. So I, 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 I don't know how to feel about that. But, you know, we have a few games left against the Pirates. I think we've got, I think we've got two full series left with them, one at Wrigley, one in Pittsburgh. And then the one in, Pit, the one in Pittsburgh is definitely a, a four-game series because we, uh, we have a doubleheader that, uh, from a rainout that has to be rescheduled. So, I mean... I'm, I'm, you know, I'm holding out hope we can, we can pull past the pirates, but who knows? Just got to play the games, man. Play the games, Ken, just play the games. <laughs> and, uh, for Darius, um, I don't like the giants have this weird thing about the regular season where it's kind of meaningless. Um, otherwise <laughs> you're, you're like four and a half back. So, uh, what are your thoughts on the season so far and what, what's to come? Um, well, without trying to talk myself up too much, um, every, almost everything I predicted has actually come true so far. Uh, <laughs> I, think I, I think I said uh, at the start of the season that I was—I uh, didn't think Casey McGee was going to be any good. Uh, he got DFA'd, I think, at the end of May. Um, I said I was pr- pretty worried about the rotation, especially Matt Kane. Uh, obviously, most of it has been pretty garbage, bumgarner aside. Um, and I think uh, I said we go 86 and 76 and just miss out which kind of looks like what's going to happen at the moment unless we can uh, either make a streak to catch the, the Cubs or the Dodgers obviously um, the things that uh, have been a surprise obviously uh, been Matt Duffy who has been incredible I'm not really sure how we keep bringing up these sort of uh, infielders who are supposed to be uh, you know maybe utility guys at best and they turn into you know three four five win infielders uh, Brandon Crawford's been even more incredible. He seems to get better every year. Um, and Chris Heston, uh, we, who without uh, whom I think we definitely wouldn't have a, a rotation at all. It would just be Bumgarner. Uh, so that's kind of kept us in it. Uh, the, the whole infield has been, been playing pretty well uh, now that, that Duffy's come in to replace McGee. And, and Joe Panic genuinely seems to be a 300 here, which is nice. Um, so, yeah, I, I can't say that um, anything has gone uh, too surprisingly for me um, as a fan, which is unfortunate because I, I was, you know, obviously hopeful that we <laughs> we would be just a bit better to to make it into the playoffs and there's still a chance. 
Um, but I think the Dodgers are, are still kind of, you know, underperforming what their their true talent is. And I think we might be a little bit too far behind the Cubs now, uh, who who look like they're pretty decent and have the misfortune to be in the, the division with probably the two best teams <laughs> in MLB at the moment. So, yeah, it's, you know, it's uh, nothing much to complain about. It's been a, a decent season, but uh, I think we're, we're probably just going to miss out. And don't worry, Darius, it's an odd-numbered year. Yeah, exactly. It doesn't matter. You know, next next year we'll come back and win it again. So it's fine. It's it's hard to be uh, you know too upset as a Giants fan at the moment. Yeah, it's like the uh, the Star Trek movies. I think I don't know. I don't know. Often nerds uh, make that comparison, but yeah, there you go. So for me, like the Angels, uh, it's been a very tumultuous year. Um, I was a big Jerry Depoto fan, so to see the way that whole thing went out with him uh, resigning, and uh, Sosha's. Uh, I don't know if it's a power grab, but he's always been kind of a, had a lot of influence. Um, and remember on uh, Effectively Wild, there was that question about like how bad the owner would have to be for you to actually give up your allegiance to a certain team. I'm almost there, like, at least in the short term. Like if they didn't make the playoffs this year and it meant maybe Social would actually uh, resign, they wouldn't be too bad. So it's kind of a weird, uh, weird situation to be in. Um, uh, Darius, uh, how long have you been a uh, Giants fan? Uh, well, I mean, I, I didn't really get into baseball until 2008, um, which was Tim Lincecum's first Cy Young season. So as as I, I got in through fantasy and he was on my team, that was kind of how I became a Giants fan. So I guess this is my seventh year. Uh, so it's been a pretty, pretty good seven years uh, as fandom goes. You don't always win three World Series in five years. <laughs> yeah, people keep saying that, but I've yet to see any evidence to the contrary. <laughs> <laughs> and Brandon, when, about when was the time that you started getting to the uh, Cubs? So I, I would say I started following baseball in the mid '90s. I mean, I was a I was a kid. I was a kid. Um, I I could trace it back to '95, where I my, the first baseball game I recall attending was was to see Hideo Nomo pitch against the Cubs in. Uh, at Wrigley Field, um, and uh, you know, it, it didn't make me into a Dodgers fan. Uh, <laughs> um, <laughs> but uh, you know, I, I would say that my kind of more hardcore following of the Cubs began in earnest around uh, you know ninety seven, ninety eight, kind of with the rise of uh, with the rise of Sammy Sosa, and then ninety eight. You know the the wild card season and Kerry Wood really is what got me into it, and I learned quickly that you know playoffs are definitely not in the cards every season. And has there been a point where you're maybe it Cubs fans in general just were fed up with maybe the management at the time, and you kind of wonder why you uh, keep sticking around? Have yeah. you gotten to that point yet? You know, it's funny because I I I thought I would, so so I I felt like that point was coming uh with with uh with Jim Hendry a few years ago right after uh the Ricketts family bought the team and they had retained Jim Hendry but what i what was unknown at the time to outside observers was that Hendry had already been fired you know behind the scenes they just didn't announce it publicly yet so he was kept on board to do to sign uh the rookie class that uh he had just drafted which included Javier Baez but then after all of that was done he was uh he was let go and then that offseason brought Theo Epstein and basically made me feel uh you know exponentially better about the Cubs after that point so so that was that was the point of being almost fed up but then that quick very very quickly turned around um i just uh to jump in uh have you sort of since since theo took over have you always been kind of confident that that this would happen you know a season like this where the you know the prospects came up and it, it all sort of fit together you've always been fairly secure in that i i wouldn't i wouldn't say secure um is because... that, that, that not something you know the history is yeah, I mean, I wouldn't, I wouldn't say secure because, uh, as we know, prospects will break your heart, right? But it's, <laughs> it's been kind of, it. I've, I've put 
I've put considerable faith in the process. And, you know, I've listened to a lot of sports radio and a lot of people don't put a lot of faith in the process. But, uh, you know, they're where the Cubs have, have gone poorly in the past was they've gotten away from the what you could call a process, right? So in the in the 80s when they said they were going to build from the ground up and and build up build up their farm system, it act, it actually paid off. You know, they made they made short-term uh additions that got them that got them far in in 84 and then they 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 built up a a farm system that produced a division winner in 89, but then you know, a lot of there were a lot of players traded along the way and Dallas Green was fired and it kind of didn't, uh, you know, it kind, of, it kind of stopped after after 89 and then you have this drought between 89 and 98 where there's nothing and the 98 was more of a fluke team than actually, you know, than an actual quality sort of uh, 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 squad. So uh, I think, you know, if 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 we can if we can find a develop a process and stick to it then even even if it it doesn't completely work out like i'll i'll feel better about about instituting a a system that has historically produced results elsewhere rather than throwing money at a bunch of guys that will get you a chance for 2 years and then basically uh, uh, you know, tie up all your money for the next six, which is what the Cubs did in 0708. Okay, so um, let's get into more of the weird, weirder topics. Um, let's see. Uh, uh, weird Darius. podcast yeah. ahead. Yeah, Darius. So um, maybe uh, explain to maybe some of the newer listeners to either us or Effectively Wild about the whole um, Ryan Webb, Matt Albers uh, phenomenon. Um, you're actually commissioner of the... Uh, sort of the fantasy league that was inspired by them. And one of the Effectively Wild hosts, Ben Lindbergh, did the article about them, kind of explaining the background of that and actually interviewed them about that. So, um, Darius, you want to uh, uh, get into that? Yeah, so just to, to recap the, the league for, for people who missed it last time, I didn't see the post. Uh, basically, uh, we were having a <coughs> discussion um, before the, the season started about uh, Web Albers and, and somebody brought up the, the prospect of a, a fantasy league based on games finished without the save. And uh, I thought this was an excellent idea. And so basically I, I set it up. Um, I used the, the play index to run the, the stats. Uh, people get 10 points for finishing a game and they <coughs> for, for getting a save or, or blowing a save. Um, and so, yeah, there's a, 11 of us are in the league and we, we each drafted six you know marginal relievers who hopefully would not get any saves. And... Uh, yeah, and then then obviously Ben went and actually spoke to uh, Ryan Webb and, and Matt Alvarez about it, which is pretty cool. I'm not sure that I I would ever have thought that they would become aware of it. It sort of seemed like one of those things that was just a bit too obscure for anybody to actually ask a, a major league player. But obviously we can count on Ben to do these things, um, and they seemed pretty cool about it. it was It was uh, it was fun to read and, and listen to what they they had to say, and uh, you know I I thought uh, Webb's attitude to closing in general basically that anybody can do it was you know quite refreshing to hear from a major league <laughs> and, you know you don't normally hear them make that those kind of comments really so yeah it was a, a pretty weird but a fun moment <laughs> to hear them talk about a, a league which uh, I'm sure they probably think is just plain strange but uh, they seem to take it in good humor yeah it's kind of surreal um he actually played a bit uh bits of their interviews on the podcast and uh you could hear their reactions to the uh to the fantasy league, it was kind of a surreal moment. Yeah, I mean, it didn't sound like uh, like Matt Albers even is uh, has Twitter or or is you know ever really paid attention to it. So I guess it, it seems less surprising for him that uh, you know people uh, that he's missed the fact that people track this. <laughs> yeah, I, for the I, record, I, I do I, wish I had bid on his pants last year. That is that is one <laughs> of my regrets in life, not bidding on Matt Albers' pants. Yeah, his I think one of his minor league teams. Uh, the pants from that time, I guess that was up on eBay for a while, and it went for like what, less than twenty, I think. Yeah, it was it was pretty cheap. It wasn't very much. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and 
and we still don't know who that who that is. I don't think it's someone in the Facebook group, because obviously they would have, uh, you know, bragged about that. But yeah, it's it's weird to think that there is somebody out there buying uh, Matt Alba's game used pants who isn't in the Facebook group. But there you go. <laughs> and for the record, I think Web is a couple away from getting a uh, hundred games finished without a save. He's, he was 97 last time I looked. I don't know if he's had another in the last couple of days. Yeah, he's um, probably not keeping track, but uh, that'll be a really big moment for us. Yeah, I, I think we'll have to, you know, put something together for him, you know, <laughs> um, make a banner and, you know, tweet our congratulations. Yeah, he's still at 97 at the moment. And the way it works, like, whoever has the game ball, they might just toss it into the stands. They probably won't even know what the significance is, so... Uh... I'm still a little bit worried that Terry Francona is just going to let him get to 99 and then throw him out there for a save. Oh, man. <laughs> oh, man. But wait, would it still... So if if he if he blows a save... okay, It's okay. It, if it's he okay. blows a save, it's okay. If he blows a save, it's okay. Yeah. But not, not for the Fantasy League. Not for the Fantasy no, League. No, so basically it was hard. The way that they're measured, obviously, um, the, a blown save can, can happen a lot earlier than the ninth inning but it's really difficult to split those out from the others so we basically we didn't want to reward guys who are used in the the high leverage situations in in the ninth you know where you know coming in in those situations um so we we had it deducting points for for players who who blow saves as well but that obviously meant that sometimes you come in in the seventh in what is technically a save situation and you blow a save, even though there's no way they would actually have been left out there for three innings to finish the game. Right. Um, and they, I think they have both. I think maybe they've both blown sort of, uh, I think Albers was nine and Webb was 15 or something. But neither of them have ever done it in the ninth inning, I don't think. I see. Uh, so, yeah, it's it's kind of a little bit weird, but there isn't a, a neater way to do it where you can just say, OK, we only want to know about blown saves that happened in the ninth. That would be much more work and, uh, you know. The play index makes it easy to do it this way. So, gotcha. Okay, so on a similar note, we um, I think a couple of days ago we put up our uh, effectively well episode guide. Finally, um, so looking at that list, um, you guys have any thoughts? I think uh, Brandon, you pointed out like July 2014 was the uh, the golden era. There was a lot of good stuff back oh, then. Oh, there was so much. There was so much good content. Ugh. But I did, but I did love the list. I did love the list. It, uh, you know, it brought me back, and I went back and listened to a couple of the, uh, or I shouldn't say a couple. I downloaded a couple of the episodes and I re-listened to one of them. Uh, but this is such a great sort of, you know, I had, I could just refer back to this now whenever I want to go and you know download a, a back episode. Yeah, it's kind of like with like TV shows. You always kind of want to start at the beginning, but um. You know they've been like they've had like what seven hundred episodes now, and uh, it's kind of an impossible task. So for any new listeners, this uh, hopefully will help out. Yeah, definitely. It's uh, you know I uh, agree with uh, a lot of the selections. The cast I'd really recommend the the one that that you suggested specifically came with uh, with Carson, uh, the Simul podcast. No, I do love the crossovers. I do love the crossovers. Yeah. Uh, that was that's a really cool episode when they're they're talking about. Uh, uh, the best way to watch baseball and that I really enjoyed that episode um, and, and all of the email shows I think people you know new to the show should probably just go back and listen to every email show um, was that because you know they are. Was, was that was that a crossover with Carson is that the the how you watch baseball convo is that the one where Sam says that you should you should try for a season to not watch baseball at all and just listen to it on the radio. Is that where he says that? Or does he say that in another episode? Yeah, I think it was that one. Um, I don't know who was actually taking him up on that, but uh, yeah, that was the one. <laughs> I tried to take him up on that and I was inspired by that comment from Sam uh, early this season where I, instead of buying an MLB, uh, MLB TV premium package, I got the uh, the game day package, which is the which is game day plus all the radio feeds. Um, so I've been doing that for for most of the season. I still watch the Cubs in person, and I still watch the Cubs on TV when I can. But I listen a lot more on the radio than I do watch on TV. Um, and you know, I I can't 
this is I I don't know if I would say that it's a that it's been a, a a better or worse experience. It's just I feel like it's its own unique kind of kind of thing. Yeah, I think for me, um, listening to Angels games on game day audio, it's it's mostly the commercials that you notice. You keep hearing the same ones over and over. Uh, I don't know if the Cubs have oh, more yeah. of a uh, diverse range of sponsors, but uh... the the thing about the Cubs is that they they don't use the uh, the WBBM feed. That's the that's the feed that they're on in Chicago. They use the Cubs radio network feed. So there there are no station breaks. There's the and the commercials are either silent or they're uh, MLB commercials. Um, so I I end up hearing a lot of like classic moments from MLB history uh, and and progressive flow from progressive uh, commercials um, and not necessarily the the local commercials that make me love radio. And uh, Darius, for you, uh, considering your time zone, um, I guess what you're, you're, it's easier to watch, I guess, East Coast day games. You'd be able to catch those at night. Yeah, so an East Coast, uh, you know, one o'clock start is uh, about six p.m. Uh, start for me, so that's that's quite good. Uh, unfortunately, often it's challenging to see the Giants because often they won't start until ten. Uh, so the only chance I get to see those is if they go extra innings and they're still playing when I get up in the morning. Um, Sundays are good uh, because obviously all but one game basically starts at, at a time that I can watch it. Um, but yeah, it's it can be quite challenging. It, MLB TV obviously makes it easy to to go back and watch things if you miss them. But it's not quite the same. And if I want to watch something without knowing the result, uh, I just have to stay off the internet because with Twitter and Facebook and you know you get emails from MLB and and everything. Um, so it's just absolutely impossible if you go anywhere near the internet. Have, have you uh, have you have you tried doing that recently, Darius or Ken? Like like really. Uh, you know, DVRing or watching a, a recording of it after the fact without knowing the result? Uh, I didn't do it. Um, I haven't done it since the, the World Series, basically. Uh, obviously, I, you know, saved uh, a lot of those up because otherwise I would have been uh, up all hours for several nights in, in quick succession. Sure. Um, so, so there were a, a few of those games that I just, yeah, stayed away from it um, and... Uh, I actually wasn't wasn't working at the time, so it was easy enough for me to sort of you know stay off the internet for an hour or two and uh, just make sure that uh, I there was no chance that I could find out the result of the game. Um, but in season, it's you know I, because I'm a fantasy player as well, it's really difficult for me to not go on and, and you know set my lineups or check if anybody's got injured or anything without finding out what's happened the night before. And often I won't have had time to watch the game anyway by the time the next night's game starts. Uh, so I, I only normally go back and, and watch something in detail if it's, you know, like maybe a, a no hitter or something like that, you know, a particularly notable game for some reason. Right. Yeah. For me, it's usually, it would be DVR, uh, I don't have MLB TV, but, um, even that would probably just be during the playoffs. Um, so like, like West coast night games over here would start at about 4 PM. So, uh, by the time I get home, the game's usually half over. Um, I did actually once ask, uh, I sent an email to EW about like spoilers in baseball, if uh, knowing the result would sort of hurt your enjoyment of the game, which is kind of what you're asking. And I, I think for me, it kind of does. So, it's, it, you know, it's hard to uh, maintain your interest when you kind of know uh, what the outcome is going to be. And you kind of, even in general with DVR, you, you're more inclined to like fast forward to the slow parts. Yeah, yeah, definitely. You know, when I was, uh, when I was in high school, I would... Um... I would actually DVR games or back then it was before I had DVR. So I would record them on my VCR and I would watch them when I got home from school. So Cubs, Cubs game starts at one twenty, and I would deliberately take my time getting home from school and I would not, I would circumvent Wrigley field on my way home. So the, the pathway home from school was I could, I would take, I went to Lane Tech for anybody listening from Chicago. So I would take the Addison bus to the Red Line, uh, which is the the Addison Red Line is a Wrigley Field stop, and then I would take Wrigley. I would take the Red Line up north to uh, to Uptown, and I would deliberately 
bypass a train and take two buses so that I don't go by Wrigley so that I don't accidentally see the scoreboard or hear <laughs> or hear cheers or hear hear what people are saying as they're leaving the game and then I would I would take the slow route home I would wait until I know the game is over uh and then I would watch the game on tape when I got home without knowing the score um it's not something that I could do now with a smartphone, but it's something that I actually enjoyed doing uh, when I was uh, when I was a little younger. And actually, and actually, I, I do remember a, a time when uh, I, I made sure to also do this whenever Mark Pryor or Kerry Wood pitched. I, re- I was recording a Mark Pryor start, and I deliberately did not want to, uh, you know, hear anything about the game. But then I was taking driver's ed at the time, and I had a I had a traffic assignment, and the the traffic instructor put the Cubs game on in the car, foiling my plans. And then at that point, I just you know listened to the game on the way home. Yeah, there's one moment uh, one of my jobs, the radio station that would play there, um, they would actually give away the scores during the like the <coughs> World Series or playoffs, and I actually called in. <laughs> Could you could you not? Because you know, cause some of us want to record the game and watch it later. I don't think the guy cared, but uh, yeah. When the when the Cubs played in Japan um, against the Mets in two thousand, they played. The game started at four a.m. local time here in Chicago, so they were over by about seven a.m. Uh, there was a there was a morning newscaster who uh, he he gave the warning and said, "All right, if you don't." want to know the score if you don't want to know what happened in the Cubs game if you want to watch the game later you know cover your ears right now and then he held up a sheet of paper with the final score on it uh, (laughs) trolling probably hundreds of people yeah I don't know how uh, if this is um, something that people in the US are aware of so uh, on Saturday night uh, in in the UK there's uh, match of the day which is you know the Premier League uh, highlights roundup. So uh, you know, sometimes we'll try and watch match of the day without knowing what any of the scores are. But if you watch the news immediately before, they will still report on the scores from the day. So you get like two seconds when they go. If you don't want to know the scores, you know, look away now or whatever. Um, but uh, yeah, obviously, if you turn on at just the wrong moment, you can actually end up ruining the whole highlights for yourself by seeing the, the scores immediately in advance, which is always the worst time to find out as well when you think you've made it through the day. Right. <laughs> okay, so uh, Brandon, you were recently on the West Coast taking some games there. Uh, just want to ask you how that was. And I guess when uh, Darius ever visits the U.S., if he goes to a Giants game, uh, maybe you can tell him what to expect. Yeah, so I actually, so I, the thing is, I didn't make it to a Giants game this time around, unfortunately. There was a mix-up with my flight, and I was, and I had, uh, was getting in later than I had thought, so uh, originally my plan was I was going to go from the airport to AT&T and then uh, catch the game, but, you know, even a little bit of of, uh, of delay anywhere in there, and I wouldn't have been able to make it, and though I was not able to make it. So unfortunately, I didn't make it to AT&T this time. I did go to AT&T a few years ago, so I still can't talk about it. But uh, I went to San Francisco for work, and I did make my way over to Oakland for an A's game one night against the Dodgers. Um, and it was interesting, I think, because I think of I think of Oakland as being a place where they're, where that's usually not so full, uh, in the in the stance, but especially in a season where the team isn't very good. But this was a game against the Dodgers, so there it was honestly probably sixty forty. It was still mostly A's fans, but forty percent Dodger fans makes it feel gives it that almost college like atmosphere where whenever either team does something good, um, you know, there there are people cheering. Um the things that kind of struck me about Oco was uh, one: the concourse is super crowded <laughs> because the the concourse for the 100 level and the 200 level is actually the same concourse. Um, so you have twice as many people as there probably should be trying to get 
both upstairs and downstairs at the same time. Um, also, I, I was uh, I was talking with uh, Andrew Patrick about this on on uh, Twitter, and it's that the food at Oco Coliseum is like the most generic ballpark food you'll ever see or taste, I should say, or see. Yeah, I mean, you see food, right? But it's it's the most generic ballpark food you'd ever taste. I got a Coliseum dog, which was actually a slightly longer ballpark Frank, I think. Um, but I, th- I think that, you know, name-wise, it still fits because I guess the Coliseum is a ballpark, so it's still yeah, technically correct on some level um because i would think i guess just being the bay area you know they're pretty bohemian like at the giants park but i guess that didn't cross yeah, over to yeah. i mean the you know giants uh i i recall i recall at&t park having a having a more extensive menu um but oakland oakland did not bring it on that front um also the one thing that I appreciated kind of on some level. I don't know. I don't know if appreciated is the right word, but uh, they, they had troughs in the men's room, uh, which, which brings me back to Wrigley Field because Wrigley Field still has some troughs in the men's rooms. Um, so I felt, I felt a kinship, I guess, on some level with, uh, with Oko. Um, yeah, I haven't been to a, a game at Dodger Stadium since maybe the early 90s, but I remember them having those also, and it's kind of... Uh... Yeah, it's kind of weird. Yeah. I'm sure they've upgraded since then. I don't know about them. I guess Oakland hasn't. <laughs> Can yeah. I uh, jump in? Uh, yeah, we sure. don't use the term troughs. Is this like where you just have the wall and like the you know the drain at the bottom and that's it? Or? Um, it's like a it's it's like a long, uh, a a long, it's it's one gigantic urinal kind of you know. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I know what you mean. We just uh, we don't use them. I'm sure this is what people tuned in to yeah, hear us talking. Yeah, we don't we don't always talk about peeing on the <laughs> on the Vanish of the Pen podcast. <laughs> it makes it makes sense, uh, sense as a term. We've just I've never heard it called that before. Yeah, so every now and again it happens to me. I'm like, oh, I do not know that word. Yeah, you, you know, just re- kind of feel like cattle. Uh, you know, just get in there and get out, kind of. Yeah, you know, a recent uh, a recent study about Chicago came out that said that uh, that Wrigleyville has the most instances of uh, outdoor public urination in the city of Chicago. <laughs> just, just just throwing that in there. Um, what about uh, Comiskey? Uh, not, not so high. Not so high. I, I mean, the, the bar culture around Wrigley is strong. So you go from Wrigley to another bar, and, and also even on nights where the Cubs don't play, the, the area is full of people getting smashed. I would think that list, like on the bottom, I don't know if you saw the whole list, but I would think like everyone's like tied for like, you know, last place, <laughs> like with zero instances. <laughs> it's it's basically like the the three neighborhoods where people go to party, and then and then everyone else. Um, but you know the the game it the the game in Oakland itself was uh, yeah it was it was a good game. It went into extra innings. The the A's won eventually. Um, Clayton Kershaw started for the Dodgers, and uh, he made this really incredible kind of backhanded grab. I'm not sure how to describe it. It's up on. Uh, it's it's up. I've on seen the, the video. I think. Yeah. He's, he's looking completely the opposite direction, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. It, it was it was incredible to see in uh, in person because. Just kind of, you think that ball is going up for an extra base hit and or for a for a base hit up the middle, and he just somehow, some way, his glove is in the right place at the right time. I also got to see Pat Vendit, which I was really excited about, um, and he he threw with both arms in that inning, so uh, that's that makes it uh, that makes it even better. And uh, unfortunately, they did not have a Pat Vendit. Uh, jersey, so or jersey, I should say. So I did not get one, but uh, you know, perhaps uh, you know, if the if the Vendit diagram is still available, then I uh, <laughs> I should pick up one of those. 
Um, what were what was what's the reaction like? You know, live. Are there a lot of people who are, are interested to see him, or do, are there people who a lot of people sitting there who just don't even notice? You know, me me and my buddy Juan were both really excited to see him, but I can honestly say I don't know if anybody else around us either noticed or cared. <laughs> okay, so um, Darius, I think you're you know hoping to maybe come out to the U.S. Uh, like in a year or two. I think um, were there any places that you're hoping to visit? Um, well, I, I've gotten a pretty good idea of, you know, what I considered the, the good and bad parks. Um, you know, you do see a lot of people trashing the Coliseum, obviously. Uh, AT&T is, is obviously supposed to be one really nice. It, you know, it always looks nice on broadcast because they're constantly cutting to shots of the bay. And, uh, you know, it looks like a, a really fun place to go. And, and I've heard lots of good things about San Francisco generally. Uh, Pittsburgh as well looks looks nice. Um, so it would be cool to go there, but obviously there's a big, big gap between. So we'd have to be working out the logistics of uh, what I could get to in in one trip. Might be uh, focusing uh, more on, on the the West Coast stadiums. Obviously, uh, San Francisco is my priority. Um, but yeah, you know, it's uh, always sounds like a, a cool experience. Um, obviously, there's a lot of uh, talk going on about foul balls at the moment, which is uh, not quite so much fun. Uh, in terms of the the safety, um, but uh, yeah, that always kind of looks like one of the fun things. You see certain things like uh, I think at, at Minute Maid, sort of um, people were running out to try and catch. Uh, is it there? Is it in Texas? Uh, maybe uh, where they've got the grass hill sort of behind the the fence that you always see the fans jumping out of the stands trying to run and make a, a grab, much like an outfielder might. Um, so that always looks like one of the most fun things and sort of the fan reactions to, to foul balls and that are always entertaining. I think that's the uh, Rangers. Yeah, the Rangers, yeah. yeah. Getting my, my uh, Texas teams mixed up. Um, so yeah, that seems like a, a fun aspect. And uh, just uh, generally it would be great. You know, I've, I've watched so many games on, on TV and seen highlights. And yeah, it kind of feels pretty strange at, at this point that I've been following it for uh, seven years and actually haven't still seen a game live. So it would just be, you know, I almost... I feel like I know what to expect, but um, I'm sure there will be things that, that surprise me that I haven't even really thought about yet. Well, I would say, I would say don't, don't get your hopes up very high about the seventh inning stretch most places. Um. <laughs> yeah, I've, I've seen a, a few people sort of say, oh, my friend was really excited about this. It was his first time at a ball game, and then he was kind of like really underwhelmed when it, when it right, finished. Right, right. Yeah, I, I was think uh, Eric, Eric Roseberry wrote, yeah. uh, wrote a post on that, right? Yeah. I think I've seen a couple of people <laughs> say that and, and Eric's post was one of them where his friend was like really hyped for it and then it was like, oh, was that it? You know? <laughs> yeah, I've never like... really had the, the same kind of uh, idea of it being this, uh, you know, great moment. Um, I've, I think, you know, I, I probably wasn't even aware of it when I started following because uh, I wasn't like... Uh, watching games at the start I, w- I was playing fantasy and so the things that brought me into the game weren't really uh anything to do with that so i've never had the same kind of iconic image of the seventh uh inning stretch as, as some people seem to have picked up yeah, um, someone yeah. from england was sitting next to eric and he kept asking like oh when's the when's the stretch and all that and it's like well it was miami so it was the place was pretty empty and you know dead so by the time that came around, he's like, "Is that it?" And <laughs> Eric's like, "Yeah, that's pretty much it." And I think he, the guy, left like right after. So, uh, yeah, that I, first experience. It was it was a great piece actually. I'd recommend. I think was it called "So I Went to Marlins Park" or something uh, along those lines. Um, so yeah, very entertaining right, by yeah. Eric. But yeah, I felt I felt sorry for the poor guy because obviously I would know that if I wanted fan atmosphere, I would not be going to Marlins Park <laughs> to get it. Uh, uh, he didn't seem to be the the English guy. Seems to be completely oblivious of uh, what he might be getting himself into by going to watch the Marlins. So, yeah, I felt I felt sorry for the guy, uh, and obviously Eric did too. <laughs> yeah, it's kind of weird. Like he could have, you know, if he'd gone to Chicago or New York, it would have been a completely different experience. He would have gone back home and, you know, just had a completely different story. Yeah, it's it's certainly not what I would, you know, if anybody was asking me to recommend somewhere to go for their first baseball game, I think I might put put it last. So. <laughs> uh, the, so the thing is, if you if you go to uh, if you end up in San Francisco, it's pretty easy to get to Oakland from there. Uh, it's just a, a, a commuter train ride over the bay, so uh, so you could easily knock out two stadiums just in in that geographic region, 
and then uh, you know, making it down, making it down to LA, you can knock out two more, and making it up to Seattle, you can knock out one more. So, I mean, you could really make a, you know, a, a if you if you time the schedule right, you can really make a a baseball vacation out of it. Uh, if you want, if if you uh, or or alternatively, you know, you could just go see a bunch of Giants games, which is also cool. Um, I would yeah, absolutely that, that not would be... begrudge you for doing that. <laughs> I think. Uh... You know, it might depend a bit on the the players as well, because outside of of seeing the Giants, and obviously, um, it would just be cool to see guys like Felix uh, and Kershaw. Uh, so, you know, if I was there at a time and I, I figured out I could get to Seattle for a, a Felix home start and uh, go and see Kershaw pitch and, and stuff like that, um, you know, that might dictate the schedule more than actually where I can go. But um, yeah, I'm I'm still in the early stages of, of thinking about it. So, me and my partner will have to figure out. Uh, when we can go and if we can pick a time when the, the schedule is best to see the most games. Yeah, and if you make it out to Chicago, I think maybe half of the effectively wild uh, listenership is uh, seems to be based there. <laughs> yeah, it would be really cool to meet some of the guys too. And uh, you know, maybe we can do another live podcast. If I, Hell if yeah, we could do another live podcast. I'll <laughs> phone up Eric and you know he'll come up and he'll come up from Indiana and we can, uh, we can record in a McDonald's parking lot again. Yeah, yeah we'll- absolutely. <laughs> Yeah, so for anyone kind of new to our site, I think uh, that, that was an opening day uh, episode. That was a pretty good one. It wasn't too timely, so um, if you can go back and listen to that. It's, uh, that was you, Alex, Chris Foley, and Eric Roseberry. Yes, yes. In a car. In a car. Uh, in, a, in a car in McDonald's across the street from Wrigley Field. Yeah, it's, it's kind of funny. Like, you, you know, you're, what, like, three feet apart, and then, like, the show, you're, like, we're each, like, six hours, I think. right. <laughs> Oh, one one thing about uh, one thing about Oco that I that I did think was fun and that I forgot to mention earlier, and that you should maybe maybe you could make uh, make your trip uh, Darius into a uh, uh, oversized costume race trip. So of course you know you would hit up you would hit up uh, 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 Washington D.C. for the uh, for the president's race, and then you would hit up. Uh, uh, whatchamacallit, hit a Milwaukee for the sausage race. And then in Oakland, they have the Hall of Fame race, okay? So the Hall of Fame race in Oakland is is uh, Raleigh Fingers, Dennis Eckersley, and Ricky Henderson, right? Now, here's what... Now, what is surprising to me is that Ricky Henderson has not won every single one of these races. Um <laughs> but but in fact in fact Raleigh Fingers is the season leader for uh for twenty fifteen in the Hall of Fame race for Oakland. Now the night that I went, uh uh Ricky Henderson ended up winning, but uh he still is not the season leader as far as I know. Well I guess maybe, you know, just Fingers never had that much opportunity to show off his speed. So I guess. That could that could be true. <laughs> I wanna look up his player page now. <laughs> Stole a base. <laughs> That'll be another article idea. Yeah, it's terrific mustache and on his baseball reference picture. Oh yes, oh yes, really good. <laughs> um, Sprint, I want to ask uh, how I don't know how far Sonoma is away from. Uh, well, I guess Oakland and San Francisco, but uh, were you tempted to like dash out there real quick or? You know, I, I, you know, I, I knew, I just knew that logistically it would not be possible, uh, because I went, I went out there for work. So, uh, so like I had to be, (coughs) I had to be in San Francisco from nine to five, uh, for, for the days that I was there. Um, but my buddy said that it was a, it was a few hours drive. So like if I, if I could have gotten, you know, an extra day, or if I had gone out a day early, I would have really seen if I could have gone out there. But I just, I just knew from the get-go it would have been too difficult to actually make it out there that I didn't explore it. Unfortunately, I really would have loved to have gone. Yeah, I think uh, champ- the championship game is uh, Monday. So um, if you're listening in time, uh, you could check that. It uh, should be pretty exciting. And it's on TuneIn Radio, right? Yes. Yes, with Tim Livingston, who we might have on the show uh, pretty soon, so that would be cool. Ooh, ooh, yeah. get excited, people! 
Yeah, I'm really looking forward to the book. I think it comes out next spring that Ben and Sam are writing. But um, yeah, I, I feel like I might read that in like a couple sittings. It's uh, yeah, it would be a really cool experience to read that. Yeah, definitely. It's going to be interesting. I guess you know we've all been following along, so it'll be fun to sort of read back and and think to what was going on at the time. Yeah, and I want this. I want this season of not daily podcasts to pay off in the form of a book. Yeah, that's obviously what we're all uh, ultimately uh, thinking is that, you know, we want some payback for these uh, gaps in podcasts. <laughs> yeah, what's with this two to three episodes a week, guys? <laughs> no, just kidding, Ben and Sam, we love you. Okay, so um, Darius, do you have any, uh, well, I think one of the previous times you were on, you did that, uh, you did the um, baseball reference sponsorship uh, game. Yeah, uh, we can we can have a, a look, and I think... Uh, some of them don't seem to be... Everybody I look up at the moment actually seems to have a sponsor, like Roddy Fingers. Who's <laughs> sponsored by Damon Gulsinski, who apparently has written about Roddy Fingers in his book Urban Shock at All-Stars, The 100 Greatest Baseball Names Ever. <laughs> okay. So there we go. Uh, Damon has taken out an ad. I've given him some free advertising there. I still don't know if anybody's sponsored Ryan Webb, actually. I'll have to check that out. Yeah, we still need to get in on that. I will say that nobody nobody has sponsored Matt Albers at the moment. <laughs> is Matt Albers, was he still $30, $20? He is $30. Yeah. It's surprising that nobody, somebody has bought his pants, but nobody's sponsored <laughs> that's, 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 so, that's so ridiculous. That's so ridiculous. I mean, yeah. Oh, wow. Ryan, Ryan Webb has gone up in the world. <laughs> Ben's, uh, yeah. maybe it's ben, the publicity Ben's given him. Do you, want, do you want to take a guess at how much you're on Webb's page now uh, it's going for? I think he was 20 before. I'll say 50. Okay, I'll say, uh, I was going to say 55. I'll go 55. It's now 85. Oh, Whoa! I, I, don't think, I don't think we can afford that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, when it was 20, I was thinking this was good, but 85 is pushing it a bit really i guess they're hoping someone will invest before um he gets 100 games finished i think uh i i think people are people must be you know must have pulled him up more on uh on uh play index or something in the last in the last few weeks yeah, since that, that article it came must out. have must have had an effect i think uh I don't know if that's how they how they do measure it because I couldn't quite work it out from last time what the the formula was because it didn't seem to entirely correspond with uh, the you know player's level of uh, fame or ability as we would imagine it. But yeah, perhaps you're right. Perhaps it's uh, just purely how many people have clicked through to their page in the last month or something. And that's like ninety percent effectively all the listeners probably. <laughs> it really is. Yeah, I, I'm sure it, it must be. I did I did find some uh, some interesting. Trivia. Oh, I love trivia. This, is, this one's interesting. How many intentional walks did Roger Maris get in his 61 home run season? I'll go three. He probably his, his uh, reputation probably wasn't what it was after that season, so they'd probably still maybe underrate him. I'll go three. It was actually zero. <laughs> oh, hey, hey. Yeah, I've 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 double checked this. So, yeah, so 61 home runs, no intentional walks. Kind of incredible. I also did, uh, I know this will be, this seems to have provoked mixed reactions in the group, but I pulled up the uh, triple away from a cycle leaderboard oh, for 2015. I love that this is a meme. <laughs> like this, this, well, might I thought, be, this might be my favorite effectively wild group meme. And somebody mentioned, I think, on the, the latest one that they want to get these alerts, but they don't want any of the other alerts now. <laughs> and I did, I did think, why this must be really easy for MLB to do. Why can't you just customize your alerts? You know, I don't want score alerts. I don't want no hitter alerts. I just want triple away from a cycle alert. Presumably, they could just categorize all the alerts, and then people can choose what they do and don't want. Right. Yeah, so I would think the other sports apps probably do give you that option. I don't know why MLB hasn't yet. Yeah, I don't know if they get as specific as triple away from recycle alerts, but it feels like it would be relatively easy to do. So anyway, there are there are three players who are tied on four games in which they have hit <coughs> a single, a double, and a home run. 
but not a triple in 2015. Do you want to hazard a guess at any of them? One of them is yeah, quite surprising. Triple away? Triple away. I'd have to guess Trout would be on there. Uh, Trout is not... I can't even see Trout's name at all, actually. Mike Trout's done it once, so he's tied for 37th with about 100 other people. <laughs> <laughs> is that... Uh, Anthony Rizzo? Rizzo has two, but he's yeah, but, but two none, whole game. But none this year. No, he's twice this year. He's uh, he's had games. Oh, with, twice this year. Okay. Yeah, so it's just this season. So so but, three but, players. But three players have had four. I've had four already this year. Yeah. Is Harper on there? Uh, he's he's not at the top of the leaderboard. Uh, he's on two as well. Yeah, I was gonna guess uh, Joey Bats. No, no Joey Bats. <laughs> Uh, there is a Blue Jay on there, but it's not uh, Bautista. Donaldson has, has three games. One of them was a Blue Jay until this season. Because only I can think of that left is Laurie. But, uh... Yeah. Yeah, it's not Laurie. Laurie also has one. A lot of There's a lot of people who, 141 players, have, have had at least one, which does make the alert seem uh, even more <laughs> ridiculous. <laughs> be getting one of those a day. Yeah. <laughs> I think most regular players appear to have one. <laughs> the f- the uh, the one who you would expect to probably hit quite a few triples is Lorenzo Cain. Jonas uh, Cespedes. Ah, I should have guessed Cespedes. Damn it. And the former Blue Jay is Adam Lind. Oh. Yeah. Adam Lind. I, I wouldn't have guessed Adam Lind. I no. Don't... Yeah, there we go. Okay, so do you have any more of the uh, sponsorship uh, guessing game? Players. I just I uh, I pulled up uh, Ricky Henderson actually, so if you uh, so what was like, because you did this like a few episodes ago. Uh, I think both of you were on. Yeah. Back then, like, what was like the the high range? So Trout, I think, was eight hundred or oh. in that range. Uh, I'll see what he's uh, what he's on now, just to give you the the benchmark. So you know that Albers is uh, thirty, and and Webb was twenty before he uh, got you know super famous. And Robert Manuel was five. Oh wow. Trout is now 1,480. So I think that's gone. That's real money. Number. That's real money. Um, yeah, Ricky, I'll go like 200. God, I was going to go lower. Uh, but I, but give, me, give me 255. Well, you've actually got it because it's 415. Oh, jeez. Oh, okay. Yeah, because the older players, I don't know how, you know how much it would compare to uh, current players. So. And I'm stunned by this. Apparently, the Cespedes barbe- uh, family barbecue boys have not sponsored his BRF page. Uh, so, how much do you think Cespedes is going for? If if Cespedes family barbecue has not sponsored it yet, that probably means it's out of their price range. <laughs> so, I would say, I'll say four hundred dollars. I was gonna go with three. Pretty good, Ken. It's three hundred and ten. I'm sure they must have considered it. I I feel I feel like this is something that should happen, and that baseball podcast Twitter should should rally behind them. I'm just looking up uh, games finished without a save. Uh, Master Janmar Gomez. Well, Gomez is more than Albers, thirty-five. For people who have no idea what I'm talking about, Gomez has uh, finished nineteen games without a save so far this season. <laughs> okay. All right. All right, what, uh, because he was uh, recently mes- mentioned on the Effectively Wild podcast, what is your guess at Jacob deGrom? Hmm, it's difficult because he wasn't at all famous until fairly recently. I'll, uh, I'll just go like 150, I don't know. I'll say uh, 220. It's $300. <laughs> oh, there you go. Somebody has sponsored Correa. Uh, it just says, a fan of the site sponsors this page. And then it says ombre. <laughs> <laughs> that, that's it. <laughs> there we go. Oh, I found the thing. It has it, in the, uh, the general info page. It does tell you about the prices. It says they are roughly set to match an advertising rate of one dollar twenty-five per thousand page views, with a minimum charge of five dollars. Over fourteen thousand of the total eighteen thousand pages are at five dollars. Another three thousand five hundred at ten. From there, it goes up to more than $300 a year or more for Barry Bonds. Well, Trout is obviously five times that now. So, uh, Yeah, Bonds is at 1300 so Trout is, is more popular than him still. Okay, so I think that uh, will wrap it up for today's episode. Uh, Darius, any final thoughts? 
Um, I will say uh, just, you know, go to Banish of the Pen. You can read lots of great baseball content. And if you are a, a relatively new, effectively wild listener, then check out the greatest hits. It's a really, uh, you know, good way to find out some of the best episodes without having to trawl through 719, is it now? Yes. Uh, so I can recommend that. Um, I also wrote a, a fan piece which uh, Mark Simon of ESPN actually uh, retweeted, which is pretty cool, about um, Marcel Zazuna's comment uh, um, suggesting that major league players uh, go one for 100. So I actually went and found out if any, any major leaguer had ever gone one for 100. So uh, if you're interested in that kind of obscure baseball trivia, uh, like I am, then uh, you may enjoy that. And uh, Brandon? So just getting really excited for September baseball and uh, for for my Cubs to hopefully do something fun and at least keep me interested until uh, October 7th and beyond. That's what I'm pulling for. And, uh, yeah, I, I haven't purchased any concert tickets for October because, you know, maybe maybe the Cubs will be playing. So I, I'm, I'm holding out. So Ryan should be back next week. So I just wanted to thank Ryan for doing the show, uh, Brandon for filling in, and his uh, guest appearances, um, Darius. All of our guests have been great, pretty cool experience uh, with the website and everything. I uh, just wanted to thank uh, Matt Trueblood, Mikey Poley, uh, Scott Kramer for helping uh, set us up back in December. Um, Scott, we're campaigning to get you on the podcast sometimes. So uh, one, one day, one day we're gonna get. One day I'm gonna I'm gonna hear Scott's voice. One day. I don't know when it's gonna be. Uh, I kind of imagine him like John Swartzwelder from The Simpsons, where <laughs> he's kind of you know the guy the guy who who writes a lot of stuff and, and drops in with these funny comments, but nobody actually knows what he looks like or or how he sounds. So yeah, I just want to thank all the uh, contributors and writers that we had this year. Uh, I don't know how you guys do it, but uh, I've been really impressed. So yeah, that should be it for episode 31 uh, thanks for listening and go stompers stomp 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 <laughs>